welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 220. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Snitsky. Hello, sir. Hey there. Hi. Hello, listener. Oh, man. 20 degrees cooler in here than the last time we recorded. I should not have worn shorts. Well, I could close one of the doors, I guess. Ah, uh, no. I guess I'll just complain. It's okay, fine. fine. I, I can relate to that, so... Uh, anyway, before we hop into anything else, I want to quickly touch on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. On this custom-crafted website, you'll find two open-ended levels of monetary support for content consumers like you to support content producers like us. Buy us a beer, get a topic, do all the fun stuff. We'll even get you some swag, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. Yay. All right, moving on to drinks. Neither one of us actually have a beer yet. It's 9.13 in the morning. Yeah, we're doing this a little earlier in the morning for reasons we will get into in the episode, but I have a very strong cup of coffee. I was going to go, but there is lines everywhere, so I have a LaCroix. There's more coffee in the in the carafe, ah, and, there's, I, and there's cups. I may partake, So, but for now I have a LaCroix. It's key lime. It's my second favorite LaCroix. It's actually pretty good. I didn't know that uh, it was going to be any good. The key lime? Yeah. Yeah, my nephew left it down here. Yeah, no, key key lime's super, because they have a lime, and the lime sucks. The key lime, though, is really good, but the best one's really passion fruit, but that one's, like, impossible That's the one I use. Costco has it. Yeah, it's usually, it's, like, Costco has it, but, like, if you go, like, random grocery stores, it's, like, once in blue moon you'll find it. But you usually find key lime, and key lime's where it's at, so... Fair enough. I like LaCroix. I, I ended up uh, forming quite a... This episode of the broadcast. fondness, yeah. Brought to you by LaCroix. I it's guess. pretty good. When I took a month off drinking beer, like, I was smashing through those. Every <laughs> single person in the recovery community <laughs> drinks sparkling water like it's water. Wow. Uh, yeah. That was deep, Ryan. Yeah. You come up with that one by like yourself. It, it, they completely, like... <laughs> Like every time, like you would think of something, it's like here's a time where you'll have a beer. Here's a time where you're you're gonna have a pop. Here's a time where you're gonna have milk. It's just like they'll have sparkling water instead. I'm gonna get me a cold pop. <laughs> I thought someone was barbecuing. Anyhow, um, but yeah, we'll get into beer. I think you've got a bunch of stuff, and then I'll have to waddle yeah. over and see what I want. But I guess getting right into things, uh, I'm actually gonna start off with a topic that I pulled from our Discord. Shameless plug the, the, once again. No, it's say two twenty one. I don't know what to do. Oh, let me scroll up. So you thank can, thank there you. We go. All right, now I can um, pretend I know what I'm talking about. Another plug for the uh, the Patreon. If you join that and you are already a Discord member, it will automatically add you to the Carbitrage Discord, which is actually a pretty active and great place. Oh, Corey says, "Dang, Ryan, awake before noon." Yep. Yep. I I, I actually am awake. Before. I was actually talking to Trig about this yesterday. I actually wake up with dawn like with the sun rising and then how long does it take you to go back to sleep oh very very shortly <laughs> i wake up and i decide if i want to wake up then and and the answer is inevitably no not inevitably but it's a solid like 98 percent of the time i go with a mm, no mm-mm. i still remember when we were going up to i think my boss's uh air and car show and you you got to the tesla in time but you ended up falling asleep for the entire trip yeah and then barely woke up in time for baxter for the supercharger <laughs> that episode. sounds about right yeah that was uh that's very very accurate. Yes. <laughs> there were a lot of alarms. Uh, anyway, like I said, this is a topic that I pulled straight from one of our patrons from the Discord, and it is what unexpected manufacturer collaborations and what came out of them that was both horrifying and or amazing. So I added a few things in here. I'm sure you'll have... Uh, all sorts of weird ones. All sorts of weird ones, but the... The first one was actually one put in there by Tucker, and it was the Harley-Davidson Porsche collaboration for the V-Rod engine. I did not know it was a thing. Yeah, it's a four cam liquid cooled V twin, and it was it. It was like ten years of of R and D and just like blowing up engines. They couldn't get it. To I was to say that sounds very accurate because Harley Davidson and Porsche are both known to not be reliable. Like it was a really bad engine, even the first year in production, <laughs> and then it turned into a pretty cool engine. But it still does the, the, the bad sound too. thing. Yeah, yeah, and the damage is done. Like people knew, right? So, it, so the thing is like. So, like, European car people, yeah, like, they're much more tolerant to dealing with bullshit like that. Like, <laughs> Mercedes, like, owners are just like, yeah, you just don't buy the first year of the car. Whereas, like, any other brand are just like, no, why would I ever touch that? Like, like uh, Toyota, like, with the 7M. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was kind of a limited issue. Or actually, better example would be the 4G63, the DSM engine. And the Evo engine, mm-hmm. well, the 4G63 for, like, the first year of production, like, in, in turbocharged form, had a rare problem with crank lock. 
and then for like the next 20 years, as long as the DSM existed, everybody always crank made walk. fun of it about Crankwalk, even though it happened on like it was 1989 a... eclipses only. Like it I was, was going to say, it was the really early like two bolt 4Gs that had that. And, uh, or... Six bolt, yeah. It was a six bolt um, hmm. rear main, but yeah, it was like that was the only one that had that issue because it went to a seven bolt after oh, that okay. for you. the second gen. Even the six bolt was very reliable because I just put in a different like rear main and didn't have a problem anymore. Um, yeah, but then it, it wouldn't be as fun if we couldn't just yell crank walk every time we saw a DSM. Yeah, and so like, but like European people, like people buy Porsches, are just like, yeah, I'm gonna have an IMS bearing failure. Like this is gonna be part of my life. <laughs> like, okay, can I fix it? Not really. No, it's just gonna happen. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna. <clears throat> be upside down in my car forever. I didn't realize, kind of jerking it back to Porsche for a second, how horse shit that 3.2 M96 was. No, they're bad. Like, um, the 2.5s and the 2.7s are actually, like, really good. So... But the 3.2 is terrible. Whenever I see somebody do, like, a top 10 best affordable cars list... Boxster should not be on that. If the Boxster's on that list, I quit reading, because the person <laughs> doesn't know what they're talking about. With the exception, maybe, of a first-year 2.5 five-speed car. Mm-hmm. Because those are pretty solid. They have the yeah. dual row, small diameter IMS. It's got like a, a Passat transaxle, and the engine is so understressed. Like there's no rotating mass in that, so it doesn't you're seem to stretch rod bolts. You're gonna deal with other Porsche oh the soft garbage. top and all the yeah, other parts. Yeah, there's gonna be yeah. other Porsche garbage. But I'm like, okay with that answer. Yeah, but I mean, like if you're looking at a car that's eight grand, like uh... yeah, you can't afford it. Yeah, you're not going to be able to afford it. It's not going to be in the top ten. Um, oh, so I'm actually going to go out and I'm going to say um, the I'm going to say ESO, Intermechanica, and uh, Bizzarini. Like I haven't all, heard ESO for a while. All of those weird European manufacturers <laughs> that respond by Enzo Ferrari pissing off his customers and they're just going to America, getting a shitload of American engines and just stuffing them into their own designs. Like, that whole era of the 60s and 70s made some of the best European vehicles. Like, Thank you, Enzo. Yeah, some of my favorite like, some of my favorite European vehicles of all time, like the Iso Grifo, like, immediately comes to mind. The Intermechanica Italia is a really good one. Um, and, like, literally any Viserini is great. But, um, yeah, the Iso Grifo and Intermechanica are the first two that come to mind for, like, being the most prolific for just coming up with, like, Monteverdi was another one. I haven't even heard of that one. Yeah, there's another one that did that was spawned from pissed off Ferrari ah. customer. So, yeah, it's a lot were, of people. Yeah, they're very cool cars. So you get Italian styling, European handling, and American power at that point in time. And at the time, I think that was probably the best combination. Also, I can't see the chat on OBS. Uh, I don't know what's going on with it. Don't worry about it. Don't break it. I have it, so okay. I'll, I'll let you know if anything pops up in chat. But yeah, so that that would that'd be my first one that comes to mind would be the European weirdo manufacturers, uh, just all awesome cars. Like you really can't go wrong like, if you want to own. So those are in the amazing category, not those, the horrifying. Those category. are, I think, collectively amazing. Okay. Because oh, also uh, Di Tommaso. There's another one I totally like the big one. Also, even knows. like Lamborghini. Well, Lamborghini was wasn't really a collaboration. It wasn't a collaboration, but all those other ones were collaborations because they couldn't afford to actually make their own engines, whereas Lamborghini made tractors that allowed them to make their own engine. So, um, I think if I may go with one that is terrible, I think I'm going to have to think about that one for a second, because I can't think of that off the top of my head. I feel like it's probably Lotus collaborating with somebody on suspension, and it didn't work out very well. I'm trying to think if they ever did something for like a W-body. I don't know if they did that. I have in my list the uh, the Proton Lotus. The what? Yeah, there was a Proton. Like, like the Malaysian car manufacturer? Yeah, yeah they did a suspension. Like, they tuned all the suspension for one of their Proton coupes. Mm. That was covered in an old Top Gear episode where they were, they were doing a cheap and cheerful car challenge. Oh, and, no. and Hammond depicted a Proton. Like, hey, suspension by Lotus. <laughs> it's just it's, rubbish. It's, it's terrible, really. <clears throat> um, actually, here's another good one. The second generation Toyota Supra. Lotus suspension, Toyota everything else. I'm blanking on what the second gen is. The one I owned. Oh, Celica Supra? Yeah, Celica Supra. So what they were able to do is they wanted to have a car that was like a GT, so something that would give you 
the soft road feel that was like comfortable at the time and people wanted, mm-hmm. but would actually still be able to like take a corner without losing control. And so, yeah, Lotus designed the suspension to be able to have lots of travel, very soft, almost W body like soft suspension. Oh, you have to bring W body into this. I'm just trying to describe like the level of so- how soft Supra suspension is. Like it's got like just silly amounts of like just body roll and stuff. It just it feels like a 70s car when you're driving it. But unlike a 70s car, it doesn't lose traction unless you want it to lose traction. I've never driven like a 70s or even early 80s Lotus to know what that's like. But well, I, I mean, imagine. like when I say a 70s car, I mean like a little Buicle Saber. Right. I know you weren't yeah. referencing a 70s Lotus, but. but like you can just continuously just put your foot into the gas and as long as you don't kick the clutch you're not gonna break traction it'll be able to take a corner so i don't know if kicking a clutch was really a thing in the 70s well, maybe i mean i guess it would be it's a super it's 80s so <laughs> if they watched initial d which was after that maybe <laughs> um i've got the audi rs2 avant on here that was another porsche Who's, collab oh as porsche yeah so who all did Porsche? Because they did the RS2, they did that awful Harley, and then they did... Did the 500E. 500E, yeah, which, was, was, which was pretty good. One. I don't know who else they worked with. Those were the ones that really, really came to mind quickly. You know what's a, another one that's good? Donkervort. What the, what the bleepity bleep is that? That is a Lotus 7. Okay. With a Audi V8. That sounds terrifying. Was it a 4.2 at least, or a 3.6? It's a 4.2. Okay. I think it was supercharged too. Oh my god! But so yeah, it's like, like it's made it's like in the a Netherlands. Spiker, but smaller. Yeah, and <clears throat> it's like made in the Netherlands, and they're really cheap, relatively, for what they are. And like people in the Netherlands, like just driving to Germany, and they go find Porsches in the Autobahn and upset them. <laughs> I just can't imagine doing that kind of speed with uh, with like no doors. Well, you have doors, but they're like the size of this little WeatherTech floor mat cup holder. They're not, like, canvas. They're actually, like, made out of... They're, they're made of metal, oh, okay. or at least carbon fiber, but, like, they're, like, one square foot. Like, it's barely a door. Corey says, use the bell. That sounds like a pre-war company. Uh, it's not a pre-war company. Uh, okay, we can't use the bell then. Yeah, they, they are a modern company. After reading this, I look in the notes, and I see 500E. I'm like, what the hell, the Fiat 500E? I'm like, technically, that was a collab between FCA and Bosch, but, like... I was referencing the Mercedes yeah. one. Yeah, that's that's what I thought too. I go, wait, what? And then yeah, Mercedes 500e. I'm trying to think of one that I really hated. Um, I I'm looking at my li- though the the Infinity Mercedes collaboration with that GLA thing. I hate that. Oh, that's pretty bad. Actually, um, I was gonna say any Harley Davidson F150, but that's more of a trim level than uh, an actual design thing. Yeah, who knows how much um, say that, they had in that? They didn't. They just. Slap their logo all over it in the worst way possible. I saw Lincoln Blackwood on the way here. Very cool. Not a Harley Davidson. That's no, just very a cool different. Truck. I just like it was very well cared for. I'm like that is strange to they see. They had carpeted beds. Oh my god! I, I noticed it had like the, yeah. the split tailgate. Yeah. I'm then like, when, this when is you, the dumbest it up, thing. It's a carpeted bed. Uh, the Mazda Ranger. I think that thing's pretty dumb. The the B the later B series V6. No, pickups. those are very good actually. I don't. I don't believe that for a second with no, the four liters. Uh, no, they uh, didn't have those. They had a B four thousand. They well, the, the four the four liter, sure, but the normal one was a Mazda inline four. Right, but like that was the early ones. Yeah, I'm talking no, like the bubbly nineties ones. Even, even those had a Mazda engine. The B three thousand and the B four thousand are the ones I'm talking about. Okay, well, the, specifically the V six ones. Yes, V six is going to suck because yep. it's a Ford V six. That exactly, era. that's terrible. Um, but coming to think of that, uh, the first generation Kia Sportage was a, another very good one because that was a Mazda Four engine cylinder. with a not Mazda body, and that was just a very, <laughs> very, very cheap, cute Ute. I, I think of Maserati when you say Mazda body. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, speaking of Mazda, they're like the kings of like they're the Japanese Lotus because they make they put turn the Miata into everything. Because you have the 124, and then you have Toyota was going to work with Mazda to make uh, the, ah, shoot, what was it? Like the, I, I can't remember what the, what it was, but they were making a smaller like sports car based off the Miata that they ended up canning. I'm still surprised that the 124 came to be. But, yeah, you're right. And, actually, I've got the one I highlighted down there. We're going to talk about that a little bit further but on also about Mazda the whoring Ford, itself out. The Ford Festiva was a Mazda and Ford product. The 90s one? The the square body one, yeah, yeah. Huh. I didn't that, know that was that was a Mazda, a Mazda one twenty one, and they uh, brought awesome. here's the Festiva, 
But everybody's like, okay, that's a cool, like, econo box, like, yeah, like fuel miser. But in the Philippines and in Japan, they had a dual verd cam version of it. Oh, yeah. You gotta that, import like, that engine. Had, like, 100 horsepower. And it's like... I would badge it as a 121 and put the engine in there for yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it's, like, totally cool. And in the <clears throat> Philippines, you could even get a five-door version. Oh, and dude. So, like, yeah. So, like, in the Philippines in that era, like, you know, like, in, like, the late 90s we had like a, the civics were like the cool car to have like in the philippines it was the festiva five door hmm. which was you can get with a with the manual transmission with the dual verd cam engine actually have a hot hatch out of festiva so it's kind of cool it's very cool <laughs> that's like the yugo gvx yeah in, it, it's kind of like that yeah yeah it's it's like the gvx but they uh yeah so the festiva is actually a very secret very cool car most of the stuff i'm looking at in my list is actually i'm going to go on the side of it's better yeah. than I thought it would be. Because, uh, like, Mercedes-Benz and Dodge, they brought Sprinters to North America, like, 20 years before the ProMaster got here. That's true, yeah. That uh, was pretty productive. Pontiac and GMC bought us the Typhoon and the Cyclone. Yep. Those were collab projects. BMW, Toyota, you may have different feelings on it, but I think that was a really good choice with I, the A90, mm, uh, A91. So, this is the thing. I, I get both ends of the argument. Mm-hmm. I, I, being a traditionalist with the Japanese cars, don't like it because I hate the naming. Of the Supra, if they didn't call it a Supra, if they called it anything else, I'd be fine with it. The four-cylinder one, I agree with you, should be called a Celica. I think that there's so many other names that they could have gone with. Is it worse for you than the Mach-E or better? It is as it is on par with Mach-E Damn. for how much I hate it. Okay, well, um, that puts it into perspective. Yeah, like, it, it's, it's entirely the naming <laughs> convention. If it wasn't a Supra, I'd be fine. Like, if it was anything else... Well, I mean, the alternative is Toyota wouldn't have put the money into developing the platform or a straight six, so we wouldn't have had it at all. I would have been happier with the uh, Sienna engine. because the, oh, the V6? Yeah, because the, the thing is with the Supra is it's supposed to be the Toyota halo car. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Well, why it, don't you have an issue with the chassis being from BMW then? Listen. Powertrain, I think, is less <laughs> egregious than the chassis. I think, arguably, I think all of the above. If it's gonna, if it's gonna be your Halo car, it's like BMW. Um, it's like BMW. Brian's like, alarm to wake up just went off. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like if BMW took their Halo car, I guess the M5 would be their Halo car. Like, what would you consider the BMW Halo car right now? Yeah. Like the car, it's like everything that BMW can possibly do all thrown into one. I'm going to call it the M2CS, even though I think that's finally out of production. So, yeah, probably the M5 competition. Yeah, so like the M5. Now, imagine if the M5 was based off of a Mercedes S class. Weird. Yeah, that's kind of what it's like. It's just weird. Like I think it'd be like the M5 being based off of like an E class convertible or something like that. Well, I mean, it'd just like an equivalent, like. Equivalently fun car, or equivalently right, but those luxurious are different size cars. classes. But like a Z4 sa- and a Supra are about the same size. Yeah, but what, what I'm saying is, is that you're you're basing it off of your competitor's sure. car instead of making your own thing. Like, if no, it'd actually be like if instead of making the uh, like Z4 or instead of Ferrari making a great front engine uh, like GT, mm-hmm. they just based it off of a Corvette. That's what what oh, it'd man. be like. That, Do, with a, with an LS? Well, no, I mean, just like any part of it. Any like if you just well, I'm say, I'm kind of intrigued by something like that. But yeah, if, if a Ferrari had one camshaft, I'd be like, yeah, okay, it'd that be, feels it'd be a really weird. Wrong. It just feels weird. <laughs> like I, you know, like I'm, if they called it literally anything else, like if they called it the Toyota Dino, uh, the Carina, the Toyota, if it was the Toyota Carina instead of the Toyota Supra. It'd been a better fit. But anyway, uh, I like the car as it is. If you take the Super badge off, um, can do. What was I? Shoot, there's another really, really good one I was going to come up with. Corey just brought up the Crossfire. Crossfire. That was actually Oof. one of them. But no, I was... Oh, the uh, the Trailblazer. Isuzu. Isuzu. Yeah, the Ascender. Yeah. That is one. I think as... The, and Saab, too. Ugh. Yeah, and Saab. But... Um, <laughs> Boy, that was weird. <laughs> that was just the Trailblazer Saab thing. I think that's only classified as bad, even though they had good versions of it. But largely, it was bad. A 97X Aero is a very fascinating vehicle. A 97X Aero is a halo car for me. Yeah. Truck for me. If I ever get a... <laughs> bless you. Sorry. When I get a towing rig, I plan it being a 97X Aero. Because the wheels are so good on that thing. I, the, you know it's just a pile of crap, but... Everything's so good except for the transmission. Yep. And so I think I could... I, I think I could do the thing with a 97X Aero that I want to do with an old Jag where I find one that has like... A destroyed transmission. Like with the old Jag, you get a destroyed engine because it overheated once and it 
broke everything. You might get lucky. They offered the five three and the non arrow trim on those too. I want the arrow trim. I want the everything. Fine. Fine. I want I want like, I want it to look like a really nice sob, and then it's actually a Trailblazer SS. What was the? They built one on the second gen Equinox just before they died too, like the nine four X. Oh yes, they did. Yuck! Ooh, I bet bad. there's none of those running anymore. Um, another. Here's a bad one. The Chevy Captiva. Oh yeah, that's a Daewoo. It was also a Pontiac View, or not Pontiac, uh, Saturn View. Yeah, it was a Saturn View, and it was Weird. it was actually a Daewoo. That is that is a vehicle that just came with no presence and then left again. And like, what was that? No, first time I ever saw an article about it was a Mac Car Monday from Jason Torchinsky. Accurate. <laughs> like wow. Is like I was like reading that at airplane. Like this is the most Mac Car I could ever possibly. Like this is the king of Mac Car Monday. Daewoo GM. We didn't talk about that at all. It gave us the Aveo. It gave us a bunch of stuff in, so, yeah, in they, Europe, especially. They, but. That is the most hit and miss thing I've ever heard of in my life. Because. Yep. For like every Aveo, you had a Chevy Spark. Like then you had and like the Spark EV is like one of the coolest cars. Yeah, like, there's like they made some cool cars, but they also made the Aveo like just the worst in the Captiva and the Lasetti in the Lasetti, yes. which we didn't get here, obviously. But no, we didn't. But also, oh boy, not great. Um, uh, Three fifty five is coming back in. Ooh, actually, another <clears throat> bad one. Any of Suzuki's collaborations outside their collaborations with the Honda. Suzuki outside of their collabs with Honda. I'm trying to think of who else they collaborated with. GM a lot. Like if you think of like think of like the Suzuki like Reno. The Kazashi wasn't a, a not, collab, not, not was the, it? No, it wasn't. That was at all Suzuki. But they like the <clears throat> Forenza or something. Oh my god, yes. Like they had some garbage. Like that's why that's why I rank Zuzu as a better brand than Suzuki is solely because of their collaborations with GM and stuff like that. Like, their other collaborations, like, ruin Suzuki as a brand for me. Hmm. I guess I'd, I'm not privy enough to all their collabs to really and make an educated... Just next time you see, like, a really, really clapped-out, generic, early 2000s, late 90s car, it's probably a Suzuki. Listen to that F129B and those cooling fans. Yes, those are cooling fans. So, um, yeah, just... I think Suzuki might be the king of bad collaborations. Okay. All right. they, they can win, I guess. Yeah, I think they win that. Uh, well, Corey says the Cadillac XLR, but that's like intra-GM. I guess, yeah, because I put the uh, Pontiac GMC thing on there. So, yeah, that's yeah, another yeah, one. Yeah, you could call that. That's that, something I have to add to our upcoming episode. Yeah, that that would be a good one. I really like that. Um, I think that's the end of what I've got for... I'm sure I think of one. Oh, I, DSMs, uh, 3000 GT. Oh, yeah, that's in here. The 3000 GT... Um, good and not only that but like everything they made like that gs platform turned into so many other things for like hyundai yeah so yeah Yeah, that that is very good i'm not sure if that's a collab or if that's just like a company dying and the other one just being like phoenixed up from the ashes it was like huge for collaborating that kept them alive actually was their just like the rights for their other like products that were still being made in the world that kept them alive for a long time like like for most of the 2000s and look at them now hello uh, for like most of the 2000s, it was like them just being alive because like somebody was still making the 4G63 in like Liberia. <laughs> still, why don't we have a 4G63 all-wheel drive Mirage? Uh, you can get it in Sweden. They but, make them. But here. It's called a Mitsubishi R5. But we should have that here, though. Yes, we should. But we don't. No, we don't. So Mitsubishi NA, we're looking at you. Yeah. That, well, make, actually, make that um, Mitsubishi does plan on doing rally art stuff so maybe maybe maybe, we'll maybe we need to write our uh, car congress Ma- person maybe my like 10 years of like constantly note like mentioning it in every article about mitsubishi is i want a turbo mirage <laughs> i've seen a couple things today when i was looking for topics i'm like dude we covered that there was a um uh, autoblog i think did a, yeah. a full article on yellow crx's and why you'll never look at them the That's same hilarious. way i'm like <laughs> Ryan yeah, covered that like thing. three yeah. years ago. It's a real thing, yeah. So congratulations for all you listening to Carbitrage out there. Yeah, you get things um, before everybody else. The hot take. Uh, the last one I want to cover is Subaru Toyota. So the GT86. The BR GT86Z. That's another one where I'm kind of weird about it. But the fact that they designed, they co-designed it. Like, it wasn't like Toyota just using a BMW chassis. Mm-hmm. Like, they co-designed it. Right. So... I like it. I hate the engine, but I like the car. The engine, I, I, I jury's out on the second gen one. Maybe they fixed some of the issues because Subaru does rolling I changes. I don't, I don't think so. 
My but, rule of thumb is it takes Subaru 30 years to figure out anything. It is a perfect vessel for a K-Series or an LS. Yeah, it's a great vessel for any other engine. And they're plentiful, and they're good. That chassis is good. The transmission is basically the NC box. What, what I like about the FRS BRZ86 is that the engine's reliable enough mm-hmm. that it's not going to tarnish their reputations. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those engines where it's like it's already at its peak. Like it's, it's like an F20. Well, it was the first gen, too, of the FA when yeah. it came out in that car. And honestly, I was at uh, Proving Grounds last weekend, I think it was, and Jade was up there, and she's like, I want a fun car to do X, Y, and Z, but my budget is this, and I still need to be able to use it. I'm like, honestly, you should get a GT86, because like, they're not super inflated right now values from no, the used car really market. Cheap. They're really practical. They yeah. don't get great fuel economy, but like the chassis is really good, and you could use it every day, and you could do autocross and stuff with it if yeah. you wanted. It's, a, it's a, just a good so like, car. Like. It's one of those things like it, it's. Oops, sorry, it's it, it's a good it's car. It's um, it's at its limit. But like, if you're just gonna use it, if you don't plan on like fooling yourself, saying I'm gonna double the horsepower without right. a turbo, like it's gonna be a good car. Like if you're just gonna put an exhaust on it and drive it around, mm-hmm. yeah, you're gonna be thrilled. If you don't need a convertible, the answer is not always Miata. Yeah, I think I, I think that that it, it's a the person who wants a Miata but doesn't want to live with a Miata should get that car. or needs back seats because they have. That's amazing. A need for a backseat. Yeah. A person that wants a Miata but doesn't want to live with one. Yeah. Fine. Just get a BRZ FT86. I would say a BRZ because I like the interior more on the BRZ because it is actually nicer than the Toyota. But they're noticeably more money used, I think, for that very reason. Yeah, because they're a little bit nicer. Also, Subaru people are just weird. Most like pay big money for Subarus. I don't understand. Yeah, I, but you're 100% right. I don't get it either. So speaking of paying big money, I, did, I discovered something that I did not know I needed until I found out that I needed it. Um, it's a convertible Land Cruiser. Oh my! No, that's an FJ. Or sorry, I'm sorry, uh, FJ Cruiser, SL Cruiser, and nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, um, no, I'm surprised you're yeah. as uh, with it as you are. A uh, FJ Cruiser convertible <laughs> made by Newport Convertible Engineering. That actually fits like the window line really well. It's a really cool. Oh, it's an truck. automatic. Uh, yeah, listen. The fact that it exists is what's important. Oh, there's another alarm. Yep. Ryan right, shouldn't be awake you're, yet. You're going to have a cacophony of alarms <laughs> shortly um, at random intervals as well. So I can't just like wake up and then turn it off. And like it's designed to wake me up. This thing's in great shape. Yeah, it's really, really nice. I mean, it sold for $32,500 in Branch Trailer. Wow. So, Accident yeah. reported, too. Yeah. Like, I imagine if one of these was like. Was the convertible a, conversion the accident? Probably. <laughs> but like. <laughs> If this is yellow in manual... Oh, dude. Or blue. Or blue in manual without an accident, you, this would be a $50,000 truck. Like, wow. it, this is such a cool truck. It looks like it was very well done. I mean, I would have some concerns long-term about being able to, like, repair the convertible top. Oh, 100%. But, yeah. Like, but there's anytime. custom companies all over that do that. Yeah, so. and it's, it is what it dude, is. Dude, this and... was in Missouri? What the hell? I know. It's a really cool <laughs> truck. Like, I picture this being in, like, L.A. or San Diego or, like or something. Florida or yeah. something. Yeah, this is a very Florida truck. <laughs> it is. I, I'm just in love with this <laughs> truck. So I did not know I needed it, but apparently this is now my bucket list of vehicles I need is it? FJ Cruiser convertible. And I guarantee the visibility is no worse than it was as a hardtop. No, because the, the visibility is It wasn't there to begin horrific. with. Yes. Yeah, at all that times. One of the most resounding things I remember from having my FJ. It's like you can't see out of it at all. Yeah, you, you see nothing. But then you turn on the three windshield wipers and you just stop caring about it. Yeah, because you have three wipers. It's like a really big MG that's reliable. <laughs> it's a big, reliable MG. It was very reliable, I will say. Um, I had I'd never had an issue with the 1GR. I saw an FJ that was worse than yours. Mine wasn't that bad. Well, the body damage and stuff on it. On the hood, yeah. I saw one where the whole truck looked like it had been rolled down a hill. <laughs> it's just, I don't understand how you could have one that was that screwed up. Like Just like every panel was broken. It's a somewhere. Toyota. It doesn't particularly it, Yeah, it was care. driving fine. Like It, it sounded totally normal. <laughs> but like, it just looked... Just- yeah, no, it, like, going down the road. It, it looks like the guy just understeered <clears throat> off a highway in like Colorado and just tumbled down a mountain. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, it was just wild. That's his only car? He's just got a big <laughs> There's a big dent in the roof. <laughs> it, like, it was missing like all of the like wheel arch flares. Like, it wasn't a guy who like obviously took it off-road. The dude looked like just a normal hipster. Like, was, he looks like, you know, like, he looks like Taylor Finger. He's a normal guy. Maybe he just bought a car using only Craigslist photos. Yeah, just, and he just got it. I didn't little... notice that damage. Yeah. What the, what's this? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was in the pictures. Oh, you're right. It was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, 
it was uh, very, very uh, good to see that it was loved. <laughs> I am, yeah, loved is a way to put that for sure. Yes, very loved. Uh, another way to express love is the German population. Finally, actually, this must have been going on since her death, but we mm. talked about Sabine last week, and they have done a pretty big thing for her. Turn one on the Nordschleife oh. has been re- renamed the Sabine Schmitz curve. Nobody's nobody had that name for that curve. That that no. is a notoriously annoying curve. I'm really happy it's turn one mm-hmm. because whenever I'm playing this on a video game, I screw up that turn. Yep. I just restart. Exactly. This is the thing. Everyone that goes out on this track goes through that turn at least once. Yeah, and just just Forward or backward, it doesn't matter. But your car is usually in one piece at that point. Yeah. (laughs) So had it been turn 143, I would have been a little sad. Yeah, no, this is this is the good one. Yeah, I like this. I I don't know what it was called before. Maybe it's probably I think it was just turn one. Oh, wow. I made the text really small. I imagine it was called turn one. No, they all have names. Uh, Not anything great. Hermann Goering Corner. Right. Like something Meckitz and Dachau. They're <laughs> uh, going through Dachau. Anyway, I guess it doesn't matter. But what it is now is the Sabine Schmitz curve, and that's super epic. So well, that's I'm, good. I'm very, good very for happy them. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Well, we talked about that during the, the homage lap. I'm like, I really hope they name part of the track after her, because that's just kind of Yeah, she totally track. deserves it. The Queen of the Ring. And they also drove the uh, E36 around the mm-hmm. track. That was, that, was, that was cool to see. Germany's um, coming together. Yes, they are. Um, as their economy struggles to recover from the terrible policies of... 2020. So speaking of terrible policies of Germany, ah, uh, that, that is worrying. Spawned a bunch of hot rodders in the 1950s oh in modern car culture. I mean, I have to applaud that segue. <laughs> that was a segue, wasn't it? I have no idea how you pulled that one out, but congratulations. Um, and you keep going. I'm getting a good beer. So uh, talking about hot rodders and stuff, we have Monterey Car Week for just hot rods. That happens, and that's back to the 50s here in Minnesota. Um. And this year, it's actually really nice because instead of it, usually it's like a t- eleven to fourteen thousand car car show, which is totally bananas, um, depending on the year. But this year, because they canceled it for uh, COVID nineteen uh, r- rules, and then the rules like literally a week after they canceled it were changed. stopped yeah. changed. They had to bring it back. Um, well, they didn't have to, but they do. Yeah, they, they chose to bring it back. And it was really nice because now all of the riffraff isn't there. And there's like 9,000, maybe 10,000 cars. And it's really nice to see that there's just a few thousand less cars. And like no extra spectators because they didn't have any time to market it. Right, and all the posters say see you next year. Yeah, it's really nice. So normally that event, I mean, it's it's. I think it's the biggest recurring car show in the world. Still, it, de- it depends on the year. It's, it's up like there though. That and Hershey are okay. Like, they're tied. So anyway, normally, just to describe from people that have never been there, it is our fairgrounds where the Minnesota State Fair is held, which is huge. It is a ha- one square half mile. It. I can't believe it's not bigger than that. I know, right? Wow. Okay. You, I mean, but you, that's like sit, walk, it's prime real you estate. Walk yeah. Way further during that. But, but yeah. anyway, it takes you genuinely and if you are not stopping to investigate cars very much three days yeah. to see everything in that show typically yep three full days yes and what would you is it two or is it down to one day to see it all oh it's this still year? it's still two, two days day okay easily like yeah, i i walk i did like a lot of walking yesterday and mm-hmm. it is still a lot to look at uh but when i say it's just it's nicer it's easier to walk because while there are a bunch of you know old people and rascals they're oh just like trying to run over your feet. It's um, <laughs> not nearly as bad as it was uh, the last few years. I'm going to say some of those people are pre-war. Yes, I think so. And some of the cars probably, too. Actually, speaking of that, um, there was probably one of the most adorable things I've ever seen was a bunch of old pre-war guys, like Greatest Generation, mm-hmm. really, really old guys, all together in a Ford, Fiat, Ford Falcon, and they were they looked like teenagers. It was, it was so adorable. They're just reliving the, their yeah, past. Yeah, it was really great. <laughs> I really loved it a lot. It was super wholesome. But um, are any Fintails? Oh yeah, good. Several. Uh, there was there's actually like a very good showing of fifties Mopar there this year, hmm. which is like my favorite because they had just the dumbest just Fintails. Like, no, I'm talking Mercedes Fintails. Oh, Mercedes Fintails. I was thinking about anything that isn't domestic, because that's a rarity. Yes, there. I saw one. Okay. Actually, there was one Mercedes Intel. No, there's an Austin 7 that was there. There's a Rolls Royce, a solitary chrome bumper MG Midget. Hmm. Um, 
MG. Oh, I saw Delahaye that was there. That's that kind of cool. Really cool. Delahaye 135 chap- with chaperone bodywork. Yeah. It was very cool. Um, that is maybe the best name for a manufacturer yeah. ever come up. Like, what do you drive? I'll drive a Delahaye. Delahaye, Delahaye and Delage are both like on par for me. And they both use. I actually had a conversation with a guy because, like, um, I was like the only person. I'm like, what is this? He's, he's like a Delahaye. I'm like, oh, it's Delahaye. Like, I, I thought that when I saw the front, the front bumper, but then I saw the Jaguar wheels. It was a restoration project. Mm. As I talked to him about coach building, and he's like. I'm like, I've never seen this with the factory bodywork. He's like, yeah, Chevron was her factory bodywork. And it was like, right. And I was like, yeah, usually when I see it, it's like Porto or something like that. He goes, and we're having an actual conversation about uh, I bet coach he was building. caught off guard. He was very surprised <laughs> to have a conversation about a coach building. And I was with very, somebody that was younger yeah, than 90. Yeah, I know, right? And I was like, <laughs> into it. <laughs> so I was very excited. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I wanted to talk about. And I think that this is a good way to like describe what makes a kind of like a classic hot rod of that era cool versus not cool is you're not trying to make the car something it's not. What do you mean? So a lot of these hot rods that are really cringy and horrible are ones where they put like coilover suspension on it ah. and like they feel injected and they put in like a modern interior. And Isn't then... that just resto modding? Yeah, I hate that. Hey. <laughs> like. Man, Blubsky takes offense to that. I, right? I'm thinking like pro mod, sort of almost. Oh, yeah. okay. So jamming like 12 inch meats under the back of exactly. a stock body Camaro, or something. exactly. Okay. Just like things like that suck. And I actually really like that they specifically say no Mustangs. It's 1964. It's a cutoff. <laughs> like they actually say May 1964 <laughs> for those 64 and a half cutoff. Yeah, for, so you don't get a bunch of 64 and a half Mustangs. That's uh, like my favorite thing because that means there's like significantly fewer pro mod cars. Um, oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, because it's all muscle cars to do it. But what you get is... You, you st- probably still get some. No, you get a bunch of, like, ZZ Top Eliminator era, oh, like, God. hot rods. Oh, God. Like, there, there was a guy that like, got a really nice 40, or 47 Ford sedan. and How many Coddington-inspired cars? It had Boyd Coddington wheels and uh, Mini Cooper headlights. Oh, weird. It was bad. Ugh. I hate that so much. <laughs> but, like, things like that I hate. So, and it was like... I was walking around with Dan, and we were like, kind of like comparing him. I was like pointing things out. Mr. Like, Balto. Yeah. I was pointing out some things on the cars, and like, I kind of noticed is like, a lot of these cars, like, they weren't trying to make the car something it's not. Like, they weren't trying to take a Model T and make it handle well. It's not. Right. Good. Just don't do it's that. It's not going to do that. <laughs> you're going to try really hard, and you're going to have a car that handles as well as a stock Miata. It's like people, they're buying like 328 six speed sedans. Like, how do I make it faster? I'm like, buy an F body. You just enjoy it. You just, like, drive, just it. drive the car for what it is. Like it's yeah, fine. It's... But like if you want to go fast in a straight line, go with something that's got a Jegs catalog support. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or like, put a turbo on it. Like you're like you're beating your head against the wall. But then like, it's like why would you buy a three thirty five and all this other yeah, crap? Yeah. Well, yeah. You're you're beating your head against the wall. I know. It's just uh, dumb. How, how do I, how do I increase the ki- the towing capacity in my Ferrari? Like it, you don't. You got to do a lot of welding. Yeah. Like it, it's it's really stupid and it's probably gonna suck and it's gonna be really expensive. And oh, you're, it's gonna be you're, great. You're gonna destroy the value of it. But still going to be great. if you look at a lot of these cars, and when I say, like, making something that's not, the first thing that kind of comes to your mind is, like, well, isn't putting a Ford V8 into a Model T making something that's not? Or a small block Chevy? Yeah, and, like, and that's the thing, is that... A flathead Model T would be kind of cool. I, I feel like putting well, even a belly button V8 into one of those, I, I still consider that, continue, like, making it what it is, because it's... Like, that was a kind of a traditional thing to do during that right, period, it's a period of time. Mod. Also, it was people were already doing that before the V8s came. Like, the Model T was, when it came out, people immediately started putting water pumps on them to, like, make well, them good. The thermal cycle wasn't great. But I mean, they started putting water pumps on them. They started putting, like, finned valve covers on them to, like, keep, like, like the heat head. down on the, on the cylinder yeah, head. Yeah. Um, and so they they would start doing stuff, and just doing the V8 was just a continuation of that. Well, and there, so, there were V8s around at that time, too, but they yeah. were mainly aero engines. Yeah, and so you didn't really see anybody <laughs> taking a V8 out of a, like a 1913 Oldsmobile and putting it into no, your... No, they were kind of expensive. Yeah, so... Multi-piece casting block and but, all that other crap. Yeah, and so, <clears> like, <throat> when you put a, like, belly-button Chevy or a, like, a, a uh, flathead or something, that's, like, keeping with the tradition of what people were doing with Maltese when they first came out is right. to make them 
a little bit quicker in a straight line so you can drive down the road a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. You're not, like, taking a Model T and, like... Putting a coyote in it. Or, like, you didn't see people in like 1913 or 1920 taking a Model T Excuse and then going to like a junkyard and finding front brakes from a Bugatti to, like... Make sure they have four-wheel drums. But that would look amazing. It looked very cool. The big fin. Oh, <laughs> man. I, old pre-war drums are, like, from the performance cars. The best drum I've ever <clears throat> seen, actually, is the drum on my Buick. I think the Type 35 has better drums. No, this one's quite good. Um, because it, it's a Also, fin- I just have to. Yeah, thank you. It's got a finned drum with a air inlet. Does, cool is it, like, drilled on the front? or No, it was actually, a, like, a little scoop on the inside of the brake backing plate oh, okay. that draws air in. It's really cool. It's like That's probably yeah. smart. That's what everybody puts on their hot rods, hmm. so these days. But, um, yeah, that, so when I say, like, make something that's not is, like, when you totally break with the tradition. So I was looking at, I was looking at all, like, the super cringy cars, and it's like, yeah, I got a 1957 Chevy Bel Air, and I made the entire body out of carbon fiber, and now it's got a... It's got an LS in it, and it's got a automatic a 4L80 in it. And it's just like, oh. I've got 20-inch wheels, and I've got four-wheel disc brakes. I'm just like... Like, you just made a worse Corvette that's shaped like a 50s car. Yeah, and I'm like, now you're going to tell me how much you love Garage Ink by... Or Garage Ink by uh, by Metallica. Like, you're just going to, like, ruin my day, aren't you? So... I mean, I understand people have different tastes and preferences, but yeah, I don't really understand that. I mean, there's everyone goes through that phase with their car of their era. We're like, yeah, rest of mod, like do all this crap, but then you end up reverting to like, oh yeah, this was actually better stock. Yeah, I, I think like with import cars that like we grew up with, we're, mm-hmm. we're entering that era where it's like, yeah, you can put in the new Civic Type R engine or you can put a B-Series into your Civic. I'd rather see a B-Series because... Now it's, like, kind of cool to build that because it's, like, error correct. Like, mm-hmm. working really hard to get 200 horsepower, like, it's you're still going to have a blast. Yeah, it's not just like, oh, here's a K. Yeah. You're done. What? Yeah, you're yeah, done. Yeah, and it's like everybody, everybody, <laughs> put K, everybody, everybody like, every single car in Honda tuning has a K-series swap in it now. Which and I'm just I, like, I still really like that. I like K-series swaps. And, like, I think that the K-series is, like, that's, like, the small block Chevy. Like, that's, like, the... It might even be better. Well, I mean, for for Hondas and right, stuff, right. it's like that's a small block Chevy swap. Like that's, that's not what you button. should do. Yeah, that's your belly button uh, for Hondas. Is everybody can get a K series. Hi, uh, belly button. <laughs> but um, I had to wave to mine. When yeah, when you have like now you have like people are putting in like these new like 1.5 Type R engines or turbo. I'm like, okay, that's isn't the Type R two liter? I don't know. What do you? I, I think mean? the stock one. You have the, the, the there's a one five from the SI and there's they're a both two the liter. Earth Dreams. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like, I think the type R is a two you, you, you go to that and you're just like, okay, this is like, I think it's, I, I, frankly, it's too much. It's just like, all right, cool. Like, you don't need to do anything to it. You just, you just put it. It's that's a, too that's, much torque for a. It's 90s an LT one. It, that's what it is. It's an LT one. Like, so you, like, when you look under the hood of a 32 and there's an LT one in there, like, it's not carbureted. Like, this yeah, what's right. this tune port garbage? Like, what, yeah, like this is like good. Like, no, you're supposed to like. <laughs> It, that's the thing is they still have the antiquated technology and doing quite well with antiquated technology. Like even with the K series is like that's not antiquated. You just but want Hillborn on a, L, L, a new LT, don't you? Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> like, you took off the direct injection, you put Hillborn on it. Yep, damn right I did. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Yeah, <laughs> so like that's kind of what I'm talking about. It's like you just don't make something that's not. So. Drill a distributor pickup. <laughs> Do an LT. Put it. Put a distributor on it. Yeah, it's I like want this. electrically driven somehow. <laughs> what the? <laughs> You're welcome. I don't. I, it's not even. It's not coil on plug. It's coil near plug. Yep. And just like it's a distributor inside. It's just a bunch of little coil packs. <laughs> I bet that shit exists. I'm sure that exists. I'm oh, sure somebody makes a distributor just a up part. Yeah. That's just a bunch of coil packs for an LS. I guaranteed that exists. God, oh my Atlanta. That's so great. Now I say it out loud, that's really dumb. <laughs> but like that's that's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought about that. Like I it's been, you know, forever people taking fuel injection, first gen fuel injection off putting on carbs. Yeah. Are we gonna get to that point where like we are actually DI cars, people yeah. are putting port injection on them to get exactly. them to run an older stuff. Like are we gonna get to a point where people are going all the way back to carbs on DI engines? That'd be hilarious. Like how are you gonna get VVT to work? <laughs> Actually, people do that. I'm um, sure they do because so, ignition systems can. Well, run no, it. with uh, Honda B series, like people do D and B series swaps in the minis all the time. They run carburetors, yeah. So you can actually run a carburetor with VTEC. 
you just have it run rich when you're not in VTAC or you have it run sure. lean. Or you have your secondaries open up about the same time that VTAC oh my God. Uh, crosses over. <laughs> That's and so, amazing. Yeah, it's so like people actually do these things. So it's like, yeah, my secondaries are like tuned to open up at like about 5,500 RPM. And then that's when VTEC uh, crosses over, and then I have the extra fuel to account for the extra air mass. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe that might work. Um, that's incredible. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, let's talk about other modern vehicles. Fair enough. Uh, about two years ago, Mazda promised us one of many things. Hopefully this one actually comes to fruition, unlike the diesel engine, which we never got. But they promised us an inline-six gasoline engine in the front, a transmission in the middle of unknown origin and type, and rear-wheel drive. So the platform is indeed coming to the States, but yes. we've got some more news that's interesting. How so? They're going to offer not only a straight-six gas on it in conventional form with no necessary add-ons. They're like a six-cylinder hybrid, aren't they? It's going to be a four-cylinder. So the mild hybrid is going to be a 48-volt system with a starter generator okay. and a four-cylinder with the same rear-wheel drive Or a six-cylinder non-hybrid. Correct. Very so cool. So they're still going to offer us that. But here's the kicker. They're also going to put a rotary in it. I don't know any reason why they would do that. No, this actually makes sense. But it's also kind of like Mazda like throwing everything but the kitchen sink into one platform. Like well, it feels like it gets really fragmented, yeah. Because like, not only is this rear wheel drive, but like the four cylinder mild hybrid is going to have is there, a is all wheel drive be, option. Is there going to be a compliance option for Europe with a three cylinder? It's like one liter. Uh, there are there is a diesel engine planned, not for us, so probably. But of like, I was the, right saying that. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited about it just because it's a brand new, like it's a parts donor chassis. Like this, it'll be that'll be on all the drift cars in 20 years, probably. Honestly, it, it, might just be good, it might just be a good car. It could be, but I mean, so, straight six engine made by Mazda, that's going to be good. So if you want to see something that was very similar to this, why don't you uh, just look up Mazda Luce, L-U-C-E. Are you sure you don't mean Pizza Luce? Mmm, delicious. That is a good chain. So uh, just go to their Wikipedia, actually. That, that's the best way to look at it, because they had a lot of different generations. This car is in production. Now look at the one from the 80s. Oh, my God. The one is like late 80s, early 90s. That one. Nope, the generation before it, actually. I'm sorry. I apologize. That one. Yes. Uh, so you could get <laughs> All that. All those wheels covers. Yeah. That, this one of those cars where you could get the base model of it was very meh, mm-hmm. as you see here. But you could get them, like, spec'd out to be turbocharged, rotary, like... BMW 7 Series equivalent to levels of luxury <laughs> with a rotary engine. A turbo or, rotary from that era. Woo. Yeah, or you can get an inline 6 automatic as well. It's just really weird. You can just say, you <laughs> could get a Mazda Luce and like whatever, thing, whatever you wanted. But yeah, it was called the 929. Um, so is this going to be the 929 then? I really hope they bring it back as a 929. That'd be super rad. Like, that'd be a great comeback. Or just call it the Mazda 9. Mazda 9 would be cool. Like, that'd be really, really cool if they brought that back as a 929. Because that was, like, (laughs) the coolest car that nobody bought. Dude, especially the the generation after The 90s one? one. Yeah. The 90s one. It had so much tech, and it was cheap. It was the one with the, uh, it had the... The vents and stuff? Yeah, it had the the solar power, or the solar panel sunroof that powered the little computer fans that would cool down the interior. Mm -hmm. So cool. Well, I had the uh, a lot of Japanese cars had the oscillating vents too, but like they were actually reliable on these. For some uh, yeah, the oscillating vents started with that generation I showed you. Like so, th- like this was like 1985, and they were oh doing like God. oscillating <laughs> vents and like heated like power like power adjustable heated seats with like massage functions and stuff. I mean, Just, you look at that and you wouldn't think like luxury car, but it actually yeah, no, was. actually total luxury car. Like it was like a really really good luxury like sleeper. Like it, it's like, like luxury car. Like if you live in like France and there's like a lot of communists mm-hmm. and you want to have a bougie car but you don't want to be killed for being bourgeois you get a 929 like it's a really good luxury car <laughs> avoid being killed by a mazda 9 that's what that seems like is that seems like the sort of car that the chairman of a communist country would that's how he gets around town yeah. without being noticed yeah I, it's like the like like chair like chairman ding Xiaoping would drive one <laughs> or, or like the i don't know what vietnam has do they have a president you're asking the wrong person but like I feel like the dignitary of Vietnam would have one. <laughs> like that seems like a Vietnamese head of state car would be a nine twenty. Imagine trying to push a car that size through Vietnamese streets. 
it probably do really well because they had the uh, so they had the sonar system uh, for the suspension. They had a uh, sonar system on their front suspension that would report back road bumps five feet ahead of the car, and they would adjust the valving and the shocks to meet what the sonar system said. What the hell? Yeah, That's I know, cool. right? <laughs> like weird. Super bananas tech, old eighties well, Japanese see any cars. Sonar emitters on this <laughs> yeah, thing. What this the is hell? Really cool. How did we regress in technology? Like, there's so much cool stuff that was like, oh, everyone's like the S class births all the technology. No, I'm like, no, you got to look in Japan. You know, look at weird Mazdas. It's <laughs> weird Mazdas are where everything comes from. <laughs> so yeah, I just like weird stuff like that. It was you know what? Actually, I might be wrong. That might have been the Toyota Soar, but there was a Japanese car that had sonar suspension. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a Toyota product. I know they they did a lot with suspension. But yeah, there's a reason. Lexus there's a reason that Mazda was bought out by Ford because they had no money after the eighties. Because yeah, because every project wasn't Evon time. Every single project, every single one. Because like you, 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 you say a nine twenty nine, nobody knows what the hell a nine twenty nine is. But then you're like, you do catch a few people. But, like, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's. It, but then you're like, you tell them like the things that came out of it, and you're like, oh man, why don't I know what this car is? And then you have to like, well, you see, in nineteen ninety three, the Japanese bubble economy collapsed, and Mazda just like give them like an entire dissertation and then on Japanese economics, collapse. and then they're like. Oh, okay, that's why I haven't heard yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, this makes right. sense now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I assume the United States will still get the straight-six platform. I'm very excited for this. The, the volume one, you know, is going to be the mild hybrid four-cylinder all-wheel drive. That's fine, whatever. But, like, are we going to get the rotary? I don't know. I don't know. I don't but really... I, I really, I, I don't even care about the rotary. I want the inline-six. I know. Mazda inline-six. Like I that... want that quite bad. Oh, I want to buy this, and I want to drive it and park it in front of Good Karma and just bother Keith, because he just bought a Mazda 3. Whatever happened to... Is Mercedes making their inline 6 again now? I don't know. They said they were going to. Yeah. Is that like, actually a thing yet? I don't here? know. I think Greta Thunberg yelled at him too much, but, and now they're not. But straight 6s, though. It's, it's, it's best right. engine. It's all right. Oh, it's, it, that's the problem. Is it's engine. I'm has a sad. It, it's engine. That's the issue. Yeah, but internal combustion's still cool. But you know what's cooler is... External combustion. Is that like total loss oiling? No. That's steam uh, engines. Oh, yeah. So, um, <sighs> speaking of bringing things back, um, you remember Dahatsu had the competitor to the Samurai back in the day called yeah, the, the Rocky. Rocky? Yeah. In Japan, it had a great name. Do you know what it was called in Japan? I don't. It's called the the Rugger. <laughs> That just sounds like an 80s name for a lesbian. It sounds like the 80s name for, like... Have you seen Tiffany? She's cute. Nah, man, she's a rugga. It, it, sounds, like, it sounds like the 80s term for, like, like overgrown pubic hair. Again, <laughs> it, yeah, we're I'll, saying the same thing. Yeah, it, it just looks like a rugger. <laughs> but anyway... So I could see a rugger driving a rugger. <clears throat> they um, are apparently bringing back the Dahatsu rugger. Here? Or in J.A.Pan? In J.A.Pan. Okay. And I have to call it a rugger because it's a rocky here and not a rugger. It's a rugger there. So, so are we going to get the rugger rocker here? I don't know. If we're going to get the rugger rocker. But it, it, I, you would be really cool is if because Toyota owns Dahatsu. I didn't actually know that. Oh, yeah. Hmm. They've owned Dahatsu for like decades. Well, we need competition then. They need to bring this and then we need the uh You remember how I Patriot. said a f- probably like 50 episodes ago that Toyota should bring the Land Cruiser back as a separate brand to compete with Jeep, mm-hmm. that would be their entry-level vehicle. Also, this should bring us the Jimny. Also, this should bring us the Patriot. Well, they can't bring us either of those, but um, the Toyota could bring us the Rugger as like a entry-level Land Cruiser like as its own brand, have the actual Land Cruiser be like the Halo car, have like a Land Cruiser like pickup like, competing against a Jeep Gladiator. Like... Toyota could totally launch an entire brand. And the and Bronco, they, let's be honest. Any of the um, Lexus uh, GX, GX, which is the Land Cruiser Pareto, that'd be like your uh, like kind of Grand Cherokee competitor if you just like take it down a little bit in market because mm-hmm. like, Toyota makes a down-market Pareto. They make a cheap Pareto that we don't get. So you could Toyota could totally make a Jeep competitor brand and have just the coolest vehicles because Toyota does 100% make better off-road vehicles than anybody else 
And yeah, they're they, just out there doing a good job. And they just they don't lean into it, and it bothers me a lot. But I think that Akio Toyota, um, he's the right guy for the job, and I think that if somebody could plant that seed in his brain, it would happen. Well, I assume he listens. So the seed I assume he is does too. Planted because he 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 has done a lot of things that we want. Mm-hmm. So. I, I don't think that's an accident. Also, great minds think alike. So, like you know what we should do? Yeah, bring back the rugger. <laughs> And then ship it to the United States as a Land Cruiser Mini Boy? Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be oh, so fun. Oh, they should fun. call it the Land Cruiser Mini Boy, though. That'd be really great. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, wait, wait. The Japanese name escaped Japan? It did. <laughs> yes, it did. The Mini Boy. The Mini Boy. <clears throat> okay, now I they want could, that. We could drive, bring the Toyota Mega Cruiser here and call it the Land Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, also, I feel like the, the, like the, the Mega Cruiser doesn't get enough respect for what it is because it's equivalent to a hummer like it's the same size it's actually bigger like an h1 it's bigger than a hummer like i don't a, know if i a know toyota, what a mega cruiser is look up a toyota mega cruiser it's bigger than a hummer and it has a four-cylinder oh my what it's got a gigantic diesel four-cylinder in it I have never even heard of this. Yeah, this is... That so, looks just like an H1. Yeah, so it's the, they made it for the Japanese um, Civil Defense Force. And it's got a, a four-and-a-half liter four-cylinder Oh, something. so it's like a 4BT kind of thing? Well, made by Toyota. Right, but like... And it's di- turbo diesel. It's really cool. And like, they, as of this year, you can import them. They're super rare for civilian spec. But you can get one of the uh, Civil Defense Force versions, the Mega Cruiser. It's just a great vehicle. It's like, I can't it's believe you've never heard of it. Block font. I've never heard of this. Oh yeah, they're awesome. Like people, I'm surprised you just because you watch like Russian car YouTubers more I than do. I do. I'm surprised you haven't heard of it because in Russia they've been importing these for years. Because huh. like, what's better than a Hummer? Something bigger than a Hummer? It, it's literally like two inches wider than a Hummer. Doesn't look like it has portal axles, but whatever. I think it has solid. No, I think it does have independent front suspension. Yeah. It must, yeah. The rear, rear, I think is solid. I don't know. That's it's, a weird vehicle. It's super cool, but yeah, it's basically like a scaled up Hilux. Like you just made a Hilux bigger and beefier, hmm. and then turned it into an army vehicle, and then put air conditioning and door panels in it, and that's what it is. I mean, they're bringing back an EV Hummer. I guess bring us an EV Mega Cruiser. They called it the Toyota Land Crusher. The Land Cruiser Land Crusher would be perfect. (laughs) You gotta like work in some E vernacular to it, but yeah. Land Crush dash ER. Wow. (laughs) I mean that that was an A effort, clearly. There we go. No, I don't know about that. (laughs) I'm surprised. I'm just I'm shocked you've never heard of that. I'm surprised too, considering how long I've known you. Yeah, I feel like that's a very you vehicle. Like, if you were to, like, ever import, like, a big, dumb truck, like, it would probably be that. It would have to be really dumb. Yeah, yeah that's a really, really dumb truck. The more you read about it, the more dumb it is. Like, is it's, a... it's, like, a super low production, too. So they're, like, bananas expensive to get the civilian one. You can get one with, like, a crash record for, like, a lot less. Like, <laughs> you can get sketchy ones from Russia. You would totally get a sketchy one from Russia. And then, like, oh, was, I would buy the worst one. Yeah, ever. you'd buy absolutely the worst one that you can get. And they're like, it doesn't matter because they're all reliable because it's a it's a Toyota that's made for the army. So yeah, it's but you got to do break. something dumb like put a North Star in it. Well, it already has a the dumbest possible engine. It's got a stupid big four cylinder. I, I feel diesel. like that's a commercial, yeah, a commercial truck engine from, like from a, Japan. We had Toyota, like I think what cow is it? Like the the Toyota Coaster. That's the name of their bus. They need to bring back their ridiculous name. They should just fire everyone in the United States that makes names and just, like, port all the Japanese names. Yeah, we need the Toyota Coaster. We need the, we need the Clugger. Cruiser, the Clugger, the, oh, the um, Pronard. Oh, God. <laughs> that just sounds like proctology. And then the, the, best name that the best name that they've ever come up with is the Camry Coupe, the Toyota Scepter. Yep. <laughs> you I just look was... at it, it's like the like lamest car. <laughs> if I had to go back and pick like one of the my favorite episodes of Carbitrage, is when we did that. It <laughs> might be the Toyota naming one where I like I was just dying laughing at like the clugger and the, yeah, the all scepter. their names are just like <laughs> just like were you just like in a dictionary, just like flipping back and forth like a random name generator. I so when I looked at that, 
I actually went through, uh, so there's a Japanese, like, auction website that, mm-hmm. like, goes through, like, all the various, like, used car dealerships in Japan that are selling cars. It's called Gunet Exchange. Yep. And I was going down Gunet Exchange. I just typed in Toyota, and I looked at all the weird ones. I didn't know what they were. It's <laughs> like, oh, oh, what's this? You. I'm like, this is weird. And it has a two-liter NA four-cylinder with it a was, manual. It was just odd. So, yeah, a Camry Coupe with a 3S GE and it would just be weird. It was called the Scepter. This yep. is a great name. This is a weird vehicle. <laughs> it's very medieval. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a uh, capped episode on that. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week. Bye-bye.